0: You're heading into a world where your arm is going to be covered in dongle spaghetti. This is a budget for the
1: just about managing species. I'm not going to go
0: for a drink with you when you've got dongle spaghetti on your
1: arm. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying "Beware of the leopard, leopard, leopard."
2: Welcome to "Beware of the Leopard," the show with a singular mission to deconstruct the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy universe and put it back together again in alphabetical order. I'm Mark Stedman, and I'm only ever illuminated on special occasions.
1: I'm John Hickman, and it's time for me to take responsibility. I'm John Bounds, and I long to hear of the speech you gave in
2: the marshes. We're rattling through the F's now, <laughs> so let's make a quick mention of some geology. We don't know much about the fire mountains of Frazragar. I think I did that one quite well, uh, except that it's not a hospitable location for a solastic armor fiend of Striderax. John Bounds, have you ever found yourself somewhere inhospitable? Easy joke. I've been to Coventry.
0: But hey.
1: there is no such thing as inhospitable. There is only unprepared.
0: Of course. Is this like there's no such thing as bad weather?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's there's only unprepared. only the wrong clothing, yeah. Okay. So if this I'm just I just can't think about it because the um well actually you there are things there are, I suppose, technically places that are inhospitable unless you are of a species that Finds it easy to habit them, like the uh, very uh, bottom of the Marianas Trench or something, and uh, you've got to be a blind and very, very thin and flat fish. <laughs> um, but no, I, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I mean, I've yeah, I've slept on Coventry train station. I was unprepared for it, uh, being much more prepared to get on the train and leave. But uh, <laughs> there's, um, I don't. Yeah, the, is there really anywhere inhospitable? Really, on uh, in our normal everyday lives.
0: There's places that lack hospitality, that's for sure. Uh, few hotels come to mind. Well, yeah, well, I was going to say, um, John and I both both spent a lot of time in the uh, B42 postcode district.
1: There's a lot of inhospitable pubs there. Oh, well, yes, God. Um... Yes, there are some, well, there are some I've never been in, so They may well be inhospitable. I don't know.
2: Well, of course, if you uh, go a few uh, blocks uh, in in one direction, uh, you'll see a painted sign by uh, the side of a road that says "15 miles to the Love Shack." <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: you just you just gotta go ten blocks up to hit the B52, and then you're sorted.
1: Oh, you've God. got a, you've got you're a lot more than 15 miles from the Love Shack if you're in uh, Great Bar, I tell you that. <laughs> I actually went to um, went to
0: a, a pub just yesterday, which I went to on the basis that it would be safe and it would be hosp- hospitable, because it's part of a part of a chain, and, and we, we have this idea that a chain is going to give us all the, all the all the chain things that you get in the chain things. Yeah. And I went in, and it was just the the ru- not the roughest, the rummest place I've ever been to. Ooh. It's unpack unpack rum for a second. Everybody was just. Was, they they, they do really, that later
2: once once they haven't got any rum yeah, left
0: everyone was just really sketchy and just uh, there was just like a background aggravation about the place but it wasn't like a pub like, I've been in pubs where, where where there's bad people or where it's going to kick off this was just everyone was a prick and <laughs> <laughs> the whole vibe felt rotten um and it's only like 2 miles down the road from its sister pub which is very lovely and very safe where I take my mum to I wouldn't take my mum there
2: well i guess you can you can chainify uh, a rough pub but you can't take the rough pub out of the chain oh okay i mean it's not a thing but I, I tried to make it sound like it was one
0: no no it does sound like a thing
1: he's not here so obviously it's a bit of mentionitis but um danny and i used to have all our uh, business meetings in uh, a pub called the goose in uh, King's oh. Heath because no one we uh knew would uh was was brave enough to go in there so no one would come in and distract us
0: I do a similar thing if I'm remote working, uh, like out of the office uh, doing the the laptop um, internet wanker thing, um, where I go to Starbucks, because I'm not going to see anyone who I like in there, who I know in there, um, because uh, they're all really sniffy about Starbucks, and they're all (laughs) like, oh, well, you you don't get a decent cup of coffee. Well, you get something wet and you get a table, so I don't have to talk to you.
2: (laughs) More's the point. Uh, Now, let's take our brains to another dimension. 5D TV is, we can only assume, two better than 3 d which we'll no doubt cover when we get to the T's. Mr. Hickman, utilising your best media knowledge, could you put yourself in the mindset of an electronics showman uh, or, uh, or showroom salesman and pitch the 5D experience? Uh, does it have any bearing on what we
0: discussed last week? Before you can get a sales pitch out of me, you're going to have to get my attention. And if, As anyone who's been to um, Curry's or Comet or PC World, or Curry's Comet World, whatever kind of chimera <laughs> thing that they've dreamt up this week. Um, Curry's PC Comet, we're here to help. Yeah. Um, then, then you'll know it's, it's no easy feat to get hold of a, a sales assistant in those shops. They seem really hell bent on just not engaging with you. Um, I've had such bad experiences in these sorts of showrooms that I've been known to sort of like allow, uh, go up to, to televisions and prod them and very loudly state my intentions here is a television i wish to buy here is the tv i wish to buy who wants to sell me the television and i kind of like do a big dramatic panto kind of like look around the room and oh, still can't get any attention <laughs> and yeah i do and a huff and then um i uh I walk out uh often with with my children and go what a shame nobody in there wanted to sell us a television children let's go to the next shop um, I've done it in a car sales room as well, believe it or not. So but are you going to tell us his TV there, John? I was going to say, when you eventually get there, though, like th- then there's going to be two things that are going to happen. One is you're going to know more about the product than the person trying to sell it to you because you've already done the research on the internet and, and because you've, you've got half a, a brain about technology, I guess. Um, and then the other thing is they're going to misuse reflexive personal pronouns at you. Or rather, at yourself, I should say. Um, uh, and it's 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 a hellish operation. It really is. Um, I did a bit of research on how to write a sales pitch. Apparently, I need to put the buyer's needs first and then tell a story to create a connection. But I think what we actually need is a HDMI cable to create a connection. <laughs> you risk uh, you risk with a 5D t- TV. The, the, the thing that would stop me from buying it rather than, rather than selling it, the thing that would stop me from buying it was I would have – Uh, I'd have a kind of a preemptive buyer's remorse about it because I'd know that 6D's come in. Oh, yes. No, exactly. So I'd be saying to the salesman, uh, oh, should I be waiting for a 6D? And the salesman would be going, what have you got at the moment, sir? Are you got, uh, have you got, have you got 2Ds or 3Ds at the moment? Because, uh, yeah, I'm finding most televisions now are coming out as a, as a 4D. We're finding I'm selling a lot of these at the moment. Um, and, uh, you got your connections on there and, uh, your 5D is your rumble pack. And, uh, you know, uh, you don't want to be having 3Ds, mate. You don't want to be having 3Ds. Just get a 6D ready on. I mean, none of the services
1: now. Yes. <laughs> 60
0: um. ready. <laughs> 2 years ago if you'd gone into Curry's Comic PC World Direct Dixons you'd have um you'd have been sold a curved television set if you didn't have your own script ready yourself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry I can't, I can't stop myself from saying yourself now. Yes. Um yeah, if you hadn't if you hadn't gone in with preparedness into that shop the the salesperson would quite happily have sold you a curved TV and they'd have probably sold you one of those um FreeView Plus boxes that they had? Yep. Or or, or free sat and yeah, Free Sat. And you'd have walked away with all of it, and then you'd go in the shop now and you'd find that those things don't don't exist already. John used to have a really good bit about um Skip Tech <laughs> that I that I've always go back to around a technology. Every time I see a new technology I wonder if it is a Skip Tech, which was quite a nice pun, I think. An intentional pun, was it, John? I still don't know what it's a pun for. Well, skip tech. Some people thought you were saying skip tech as in technology that goes straight in the skip. Ah, right. And no, I always no. thought you meant it in the, in the sense of... You skip control. a generation, yes, wait, yes. wait for the next thing. Mm. So, yeah, to some extent, you could argue Blu-ray was a skip tech because um, you, a lot of people went straight from DVD to uh to streaming on demand and and uh, other digital box services. Actually, funnily enough, I've ended up getting a Blu-ray. Still living in the land of physical media. LaserDisc was a skip tech.
2: So before we continue... Uh, Just a quick review of the Twitter poll to cast hypothetical Eddie. Uh, That's real Eddie, but in our hypothetical Netflix series. And um, the the polls were inconclusive, so we are making... A um a unanimous decision. We are making a what, what's the phrase? Steward's inquiry. Yes, indeed. Not a categorical decision. It's a executive anyway. decision. Executive, executive decision that'll do. Yeah. Um, it's our prerogative, and uh, we we are going for Sarah Milliken as, uh, as our Eddie the shipboard computer. So uh, uh, Sarah joins the uh, joins the ranks. Let's see if I can remember these uh, from memory of uh, hashtag pit for yep. uh, Zaphod Beeblebrox. Um. Who have we got for uh uh so Simon Pegg as Arthur. Who have we got as Ford? Oh, is was it Sheen. I think it was Martin Sheen. You are in Sheen. Yeah. Martin yes. Mi- Michael Sheen. Michael, Michael Sheen. Sheen Michael Sheen? michael sheen and i believe in greek uh in greek yes uh, so that is that's a fine role uh, so next um so we we we, we talked about fenchurch uh, i think we were we may open that up to the polls at some point but the next poll for you to get your voting fingers wrapped around which we will do uh in the coming week slash weeks is going to be for Slarty bartfast Ooh. uh and now who's got any change "'A Flanian pobble bead is a form of galactic currency. "'It is only exchangeable with itself "'and therefore isn't really considered as money by the guide.'" As Brits, we have a peculiar problem accepting certain forms of currency north of the border, despite it being absolutely legal tender. Bounder, has this
1: ever troubled you? I've never been to uh, Scotland, so um, I've never got any Scottish money, which I think is what you're thinking about. Mm. So, But it's the other way around. So in Scotland, I'm sure they're perfectly happy to take your fucking dirty English money off you. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, they'll complain about go- it, but they'll take it. But we don't want uh, they'll fight you for it. The uh, but we don't want to take um, the, the or shops don't want to take the the Scottish money because they don't really see it. But I've never been there, but I did go uh, to the Isle of Man last year. Uh, lovely little, if slightly weird place, uh, and I completely didn't think about that. They uh, they don't have. Um, the same currency they have isle of man pounds all the shops will happily take your english uh pounds off you but they'll tend to give you your change back in sort of manx notes and it wasn't like to the airport on the way back i'm thinking what am i going to do with these mm. and uh, i had to buy <clears throat> lots of chocolate but <laughs> uh I just to fill, fill the, the suitcase but this has been um the flanian pubble has been worrying me oh uh since we started thinking about this the whole uh economy of uh, the galaxy has uh been completely um worrying me i just i don't think it's coherent i think it's in uh, there's a deep problem with it um so uh we know uh that there is some form of uh, state intervention in the galaxy i think we have to assume that uh the sort of Babelfish um, production is in some way uh, Galactic State-sponsored. We know that there is, uh, at least on uh, uh in the Squarnacellius system, they uh, practice form of uh, Keynesian uh, stimulus because <laughs> they, uh, they, did, they built a bridge uh, yes. over the swamp. Um, uh, and it was uh, meant to revitalize the economy, and uh, they spent all their money on it asked Marvin to open it and um it fell into the swamp. <laughs> um so the, the economy that we've got has essentially been um screwed over by uh neoliberal uh capitalism. Um but uh the economy in um the Hitchhiker's Guide universe has I think been uh, screwed over a little bit by time travel. Mhm. Um because that makes uh, inflation and uh, interest very problematic when kind of flattens it, it all out doesn't uh, it backwards and forwards um but what i've been uh, what i've been thinking about is um we know that in Hitchhikers, uh we've sort of reached uh, the, the, some machines have reached what they call the singularity when they uh, you know they they become self aware like uh, haktar uh, the one in um uh, book like three everything. yeah i always forget yeah. but yeah yeah but our economy is knackered because of the because of the the corporate singularity when corporations become self-aware and they no longer care for the the people that uh, run them or, or use them so i as a galactic chancellor have been preparing a budget <laughs> okay uh, that might uh sort out some of the problems in the galactic economy um We need uh, to find um, some money to invest in 300 million new planets, 200 of which will be affordable planets. (laughs) Uh, We need to uh, support uh, struggling uh, small businesses like shoe retailers. (laughs) And um, I'm uh, thinking of uh, paying for this uh, by a robot tax, um, which uh, will be introduced on all uh, robots. They'll actually have to just pay tax, I think. Um, I don't know if anybody else has got any ideas. I, I think, think the pro- I think you've got a problem.
2: I think you've got a problem because the the flaw in that system is that you are never going to get serious cybernetics to fork over any kind of tax. If if there is a if there is a tax dodging company out there, it's between um, whichever company is currently owning the guide at the moment uh bit bit uh, infinity enterprises or, or whoever else has subsequently vertled it um between them and serious uh, cybernetics you're going to really
1: struggle to get uh, any corporation to pay tax we uh simply uh we can close down the uh the galactic um tax havens um, I have no idea why or how, because um, we've got to get the money to uh, extend a rural uh, sub ethernet. <laughs> of course uh, we have.
2: <laughs> yes, we need to get we need to get fibre to the planet. It's it's fair enough yeah. having having fibre to the cabinet at the nearest uh, sun, but it's it's that last <laughs> it's that last light year to get from the sun to the planet that's the real that's where the real work needs to be done. Uh, and you've got to lay so much pipe, so much cable. You may as well just build a hyperspace bypass for the amount of work it's going to take. I mean what this you could a- do what you could do with some of these planets is put them uh, put the the tax havens in a slow time envelope uh, and then just wait for inflation to catch up
1: this is a budget for the just about managing species <laughs>
2: <laughs> right then who's up for some thrill seeking flare riding is one of the most exotic and exhilarating sports in existence and those who can dare and afford it are among the most lionized men in the galaxy it is also of course stupefyingly dangerous those who don't die riding invariably die of sexual exhaustion on one of the daedalus clubs a flare parties mr h you strike me as someone who uh, has skied would you ride a flare are you calling me posh I'm I'm calling you a little
0: bit posh. <laughs>
2: I think you I know are funny. you've you've taken offence to this before, and you've called me posh, but I'm going to call you posh. See how you like it.
1: Have either of you been skiing? No, I've not. No, have you? Have you, John? I have. Hmm. Yeah, I went on a school trip actually. Yeah, we went to Italy or sort of uh, the Alps. No um, oh, wow. First time I ever got absolutely vomitously drunk because uh, you can uh, you can buy alcohol there at twelve. Which is nice. Oh, so on the, really? the and then you're drunk by th- then you're drunk by two o'clock. There were lots of uh, <laughs> lots of, uh, lots, of uh, lots of brummy <laughs> uh, teenagers skiing down the uh, nursery slopes, vomiting into a bush, and then getting the button lift back up. The uh, <laughs> it's I I I I, don't know, I thought I liked it. It's a long way to go though, isn't it? It is a long way to go. One of my friends was what they call a seasonier.
0: Which is uh, like a legionnaire, but um, <laughs> with less diseases. Now, um, those are the people who go out and and run the resorts for for posh people like you. Jonathan. Oh, yeah, those those sorts. And uh, he did a number of seasons, uh, including one season that he referred, referred to as being an inverse shining <laughs> because he did the he, he did the summer season, but uh, everyone else had snow. gone. <laughs> there was no story. <laughs> which was amazing. Um, but one of the things that they did during one of the winter seasons was, um, I think that I believe they were in uh, the French side of some Alps and there may have been some Swiss side of some Alps nearby. I, I, my, my geography of this is hazy as, as is John's clearly because I noticed he said I either went to Italy or the Alps. Oh, well, it, it, was, think- <laughs> it
1: was right on the border <laughs> in France in Italy, so I'm not quite sure where it was. Yeah. So
0: it's say same here. I'm not sure where he was or, or what was happening, but um, Red Bull was, um, was a forbidden, uh, drink in whichever, uh, constituency they were, they were under, whichever, whichever country, whichever department. And he used to go, uh, bootlegging Red Bull over the border into the other Alps villages <laughs> in a different country, <laughs> which is just conjures up amazing, uh, sort of cannibal run on skis type, uh, images in my head. Not cannibal run, um, smoking the bandit. Mm-hmm on skis which would be amazing just imagining uh, some big overweight american sheriff on some skis rolling down a hill picking up bits of <laughs> things as he goes and eventually ending up at the bottom with like branches and other people uh, kind of tucked under his arms which is again the reverse of what actually happens in smoking the bandit because he <laughs> ends up just driving a chassis uh, so have you have you ever sought any thrills then mr hickman i, I think i would enjoy skiing um because i have got a certain sadistic street to me which would enjoy having a crushing hangover and getting up and doing something bracing in the cold um so uh, i i enjoy um playing football in the rain um when i'm tired and uh, i i enjoy going for runs through the rain and the mud and all those sorts of things so yeah i reckon doing drooling outdoors things is probably up my street so if anyone wants to sponsor me to go skiing...
1: I was going to say there's something about these sort of um, thrill-seeking activities that makes me always say yes to doing them, but mm. I'm completely and utterly shit-scared and I'm not sure I enjoy it when I'm actually when it's actually happening. Oh, okay. So I went on the uh, world's longest or the Europe's longest zip-wire.
2: Oh, yeah, ago. yeah. In, uh, in um, it's, it's in Wales. Yeah, it's um, up in North Wales, yeah. Uh, Bethesda. Yeah, I did it uh, last year.
1: And um oh Mark did you have to have a parachute?
2: Um now some of us had different uh, sort of weight things um in order to slow us down I think we we were weighted in different ways uh, so that we would um uh, we wouldn't clatter against
1: the uh the end too much. Yeah. Um, so when we when I when I did it they they queued everybody up and uh, and weighed them. And like, direct you into two lines, whether or not you were given a parachute. Mm. Essentially, if you are over wow. a certain weight, you're given a parachute to uh, slow down. You could just see the faces on the, particularly the women who were put in the parachute <laughs> queue. Uh, it's just incre- yeah, incredibly offensive. They didn't say that's what they were doing, but it definitely was what they were doing.
2: I think they may have uh, finessed that a little bit now, because I think what they do is they strap different things to you. It's, it's much more of a sliding scale now. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's, it's, it's much more of, um, I think it's a type, it's like a type of hook or something (laughs) that they do. Uh, and, and so they're a bit more delicate about it now. So you do still have to get weighed. Um, but there's less of an us and them. It's more of like a sliding scale of, okay, you'll need, you know, these three bags of sand. Um, they should have a sign it, first. The weighing,
1: then the way. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but it was great. Yeah, we we did both. We did the you do the little one first, uh, and then we uh, we got the got the trip up uh, up the mountain to do uh, to do the big one. And it was uh, yeah, we've got videos of it and everything. It was loads of fun.
1: I I, jo- I think I enjoyed it. I enjoyed having been on it, but the actual mm. process of being on it, I'm not so sure. Oh, okay, you see, I yeah, I I did. Um,
2: Now, nearly 10 years ago, um, very nearly 10 years ago, I I jumped out of, well, I fell out of a plane. I mean, you don't jump out of a plane uh, when you go parachuting. Um, and, uh, that was, I, I couldn't wait to get out of the plane because, um, my, I was completely shit scared. I was shit scared all the way there. My, my parents bought me and my brother this and, and them as well as a, as a sort of a, a Christmas present when, um, they were on holiday doing a world tour and we met them in Sydney for a bit and they said, look, we've bought mm. you this. Uh, uh, we, we 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 assume you're going to be up for it and we you know we will cancel if it, if it's a problem and we were both like oh, uh, okay we'll do it and uh, yeah so I was frightened all the way there um very quick safety demonstration right do this move your legs like this and then uh, put your arms out like this and then when when i tap you on the thing just fall out of the, the airplane all right bonza <laughs> and so um <laughs> then then i met the australians um and so hey <coughs> got on the got on the plane <laughs> and uh, you have to sit in this V formation and uh the woman who was sat um that's a bit much. You're a you're You're a you're a novice.
0: I don't expect you to jump in formation. Man. Oh no no. <laughs> <indeed>.
2: <laughs> but no, you do have to. You have to. You have to all bunk up and and, and shuffle shuffle up the plane uh, so they can fit as many people as they can in. Um. And so you you uh, you you sit. You, you open up your V's. Uh. You open up your legs. I mean, in this climate, it's probably probably not not okay anymore. But uh, that's what you did. And so sh- someone. Someone shuffles up into your V. Um. And uh, there was a woman sat Oops, at my. V- uh- Side your Side head, your head. <laughs> and then you all you all just topple out the plane together. So this woman sat on me, and um, she was she was only very lightly leaning on my ankle. But I'd done my ankle in a few weeks before, and by the by the time we were ready to jump, I, I I needed to just get out of the plane in whichever way was possible because I was in so much pain. I was like, okay, I'm ready to just go now, so I don't have to have to, uh, have to feel this. But it was uh, it's a lot of fun and it's it's like 30 seconds of freefall not even that actually it's about 10 seconds of freefall and then like 3 minutes of just so you uh catch catch the game last night no not really into sport grounds nice it's nice 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 weather what have you
1: been busy uh, time, yeah, yeah, exactly. What time you on?
2: Have you
0: got? Have um, you booked your holidays yet?
2: Have you year? got many more on, on, on to do today? Yeah, and then it's you know ten minutes later. It's uh, all right. Bring your knees up, and then you're done. And uh, yeah, it was. It was.
0: Uh, it's ace I'm just imagining now uh, a mini cab driver being the instructor. That would just be incredible.
2: You get a mini cab driver. Um, just just drop me anywhere here. Man. <laughs> <laughs> me anywhere here. <laughs> Next lamppost. <laughs> <laughs> just over by that cow. <laughs> First, first cow on the right. <laughs> uh, and now, uh, in a horrid echo of last week's episode, it's time to get all gassy again. Flagathon is a planet with gas swamps so stinky that the Gaseans who uh, make this world their home hired the Magrathians to build them a better world. Mr Bounds, if you could change one thing about where you live now, what would it be? Bus service. <laughs> no, I think I that works just, for a lot of places. I
1: don't. I I don't know. Just one. Uh, I mean, you can say about the big things about our planet. Um, mm. There are lots of uh, things wrong with it. There are places that are too hot and places that are too cold. But the uh, the too hot the too hot thing is mostly our fault. So if we could just rearrange <laughs> it to so the people whose fault it was meant to have to go and live in the hot places, hot wet places, I don't. Um, I don't. I don't know. I. I'm quite uh, sanguine about the whole thing. Is there? A, I am not sure. There's you strike me oh. as someone who's fairly content, actually. I don't. I don't know if if I could uh, catch the bastard who decided that trees shed shed their leaves in winter. I'd uh, I'd, I'd be on oh, with them. There's God. a. It's like uh, going like you need um, Scott of the Antarctic to help you going out, going out to uh, get your bike. <laughs> um, at the moment, it's just like, it's wading through. The dog disappeared the other day.
0: <laughs> the worst thing about the leaves, John, is uh, is um, you live in um, a, a quite affluent area now. Um, and I live in a more affluent area of Birmingham now. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but the more you're surrounded by, um, let's not beat around the bush here, the more you're surrounded by Tories, the more likely you are to see the scenario where they get themselves uh, a machine to deal with the leaves and you, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to blow them somewhere and then collect them but what they do is they just stand there and just blow <laughs> them into the street and then the the state that they despise is supposed to come and clear them up before I slip on them um i was going to say yeah, they're waiting for the big society to come and take them off are, are, are
2: all those leaves did they come off the magic money tree <laughs> a um there's like a leaf
1: drift on the corner of our road at the moment um it really is huge it comes up to it comes up to the sort of uh, almost to your knees if you go walking through it <laughs>
2: oh wow Is how- I'm, I'm just going out I may be some time complete, complete, I, I,
1: I don't know what could it, it's what could you change about um, what would you change about Birmingham guys you, you live there still I tried to change it and failed Um <laughs>
2: uh i don't know actually i i'm starting to broaden my horizons a little bit i went to my first improv class on tuesday so uh right now birmingham is in my good graces
0: so if we if we're talking about in environmentally um rather than um because obviously the the context here we've got is about being annoyed with the fact that your your planet's got, got gassy swamps um so if we were going to change something environmental about birmingham it's bloody far from the sea it really is, <laughs> um, so i would I would work on I would work on that, and I'm not I'm not talking about you. Just m- some, move Birmingham to the yeah, left a I'm bit. I'm not talking about some sort of um, PR exercise that puts a, a fake beach in the middle of town
2: uh,
0: <laughs> or, or anything like that, which we've had a few of. I, I, yep. I would like to be near actual um, sea. That would be that would be my thing. But then England's got this problem for me, which is that because I'm from an island where I can reach I can reach different coasts
1: at Despite the same rate I
0: leaning go, oh, your arms out there's one coast over there that's 15 minutes away there's a different coast over there that's 15 minutes away it's a different coast over where it's so you can choose where you're going to go based on uh, the wind direction whereas hmm. if you if you happen to go I'm going to go for a holiday for two weeks on the south coast and you get there and you get a oh, southerly wind blowing in you can't go well we better go to the east coast then so yeah. I'd, I'd get I'd get beaches on all sides Fair enough.
2: All right, so yeah, the uh, Hick- Hickman Island, that's what we want. Yes, please. Which sounds like the result of a horrible radiation accident. Yes. Um, also, let's get rid of the canals. Oh, right, okay. Just so everyone can stop talking about them. You know, Birmingham, it's got no canals. Yeah. All right, what's that got to do with Venice? What do you mean? I never said Venice. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say Venice for? <laughs> Uh, And finally, to uh, what we British men would refer to as a nice bit of kit, that. The flexo panel is a wrist panel that can show sub-ether TV and probably do other stuff. I want this quite a lot. Mr. H, this is redolent of a lot of sci-fi gadgetry. Do you think we'll ever get there?
0: It doesn't surprise me that you want this and I don't. Oh,
1: Um, you don't want this?
2: This
0: is is, is very much our our dynamic, Mark, you and I. (laughs) That uh, that I'm I'm a little bit a uh, bit more arm's length of, of you're a little tech bit country than you. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm a little bit rock and um, roll. What I wouldn't, what I don't like about this. So the hang
2: on, um, if you're a little bit arm's length of, of for, for technology, wouldn't this be ideal?
0: Ah, uh, very good. <laughs> well, um, what I don't like about about this is so the the idea is it's literally um, it's 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 an implant. It's a it's a post human television, um, it literally welded into your arm, as I recall it. Am I right? Yeah. Um and that's what I don't like about it. Now I I'm, uh, okay. I'm worried about vendor lock-in on my phone. <laughs> and I can put my phone in the bin. I can't put my arm in the bin. So I'm going to be am I going to have to get it upgraded every couple of years? Am I going to suddenly not want something and then going back to the 4D TV thing, what happens when 5D wrist panels come out? Do I need to go and have a surgery to get that changed? I I wouldn't be able to buy it because of the anxiety I'd have, the FOMO of the future, me not being able to get the service. What if if it's TV? Well, what if I want to move to – I don't watch much TV. I watch Netflix. Um, so I'll do that. And then what if I want Amazon Prime, but that's not on the system? It's it a minefield for me, mate. You You would jump in with two feet into your own arm, which is difficult to do. Can I be interesting but unfunny?
2: Yeah, please do. So the way I see it is you don't have to have – The whole thing implanted, what you have implanted upon your person is effectively the socket, the sort of attachment... Right. and then you fit the device around it and so as long as the socket can cuz right. you know all it needs to do is maybe send some bio uh signals back and forth and you know maybe it reads your heart rate and a few other things like that okay. um and so that can be done with a universal you know USB uh yeah the USB
0: C mate so mm, you know USB Z we've, we've, we've gone down the route saying USB is going to be universal and now it's not
1: this is why we okay. need a pan galactic uh, standards organization
0: yes yeah, so- if you've said it before you you'll say it again and i agree
2: um so yeah a, a gso uh, so this will be you know one of the standards and it'll just be a you know a socket a little bit like the the thing in the back of the people's heads in the matrix and you can just <laughs> Clip a, you know, you, you, clip a little thing on the, uh, uh, into your arm and that's your device. And, uh, and you can, so, you know, just in the same way as your iPhone now doesn't not let you watch Netflix. It's just an operating system at the end of the day. So I, I reckon if you had a system like that where you just had the uh, the attachment implanted and it was like the the the, uh, the accessory shoe of a camera and then it basically fits any kind of camera, yeah. then that's you know you could go for that and then you can you can keep upgrading your flexor panels uh, all the way. Yeah, this is the thinking that
0: led us to think that we'd always have mini jacks, Mark. This is you're you're, <laughs> you're heading into a world where your arm is going to be covered in dongle spaghetti. <laughs> and I'm not going to go for Andrew, a drink with disgusting. you when you've got dongle spaghetti on your arm.
2: <laughs> and sadly, that is all we have time for. So before we head out, Mr. Bounds, what's keeping you busy on the internet lately?
1: Um, not much, but uh, because you should, I've been spending a lot of time trying to promote various uh, books and stuff that I've written for for Christmas. So go and uh, go go to. Uh, by, go by peer review go by 101 things Birmingham gave to the world because you've been listening to this podcast now for quite a while and you're intrigued about the city of Birmingham if you didn't already know it lovely what about
0: you John uh, I can only endorse the 101 things Birmingham gave to the world because I make some money on it when it sells <laughs> um, if you want to find out what I'm doing uh, follow me on Twitter for the minute um, at John Hickman and there is no H in John
2: Uh, Well, that just about wraps it up for The Leopard. Do get in touch to share your thoughts. All the links you'll need are at btlpodcast.com along with all of our past episodes and show notes. You can email us feedback at btlpodcast.com and you'll find the links to Twitter and Facebook at our website. Thanks again to Audible for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget to start your 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash leopard. And if you have enjoyed the show... Do tell a friend, leave us a review, do something like that. Come on, be nice. We'll be back on Thursday. So until then, share and enjoy.
0: Do you remember you used to get like like little rubber dildos to put over your uh, Amiga? They're more like diaphragms. Oh, they were more like yes, diaphragms. Oh, yes, I think I know what you mean. More unfolded yeah. dildos. They were like they were like little plastic covers. Do you mean condoms? Yes, I mean condoms. <laughs>